Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 54. And I mean, we've got to start this with, I guess, what will first of all be spoilers, spoiler warning for the one and only Ted Lasso. I feel like we just oh have to gosh. start with that. We shouldn't even start with yeah. what we're loving because I think I know what we're both loving, right? It's implied. It's implied. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it implied though, is a question I have for you. <laughs> How did you? Okay. So yes, everybody, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched season three, Ted Lasso episode one, which is, this is not an official talk about this. This is just us checking yeah. in, but also like, what are you doing? Go watch it. It's out. <laughs> yes. Please go watch. <laughs> And maybe skip the next five minutes of us chatting. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll say something. We'll be like, okay, and we're done. And then we'll talk about something else. Moving on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but how did you feel about it? I mean, I feel great. I feel great that it's back. I feel great that it shows yes. up at 5 p.m. on Tuesdays for us here in Alaska. So. Oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is lovely. We got to eat a delicious dinner and watch it. But more importantly, I'm just so excited to see everyone back. And I can't wait to see where all these stories are going. What What about you? What are you? How are you feeling yeah. about it? Oh, it's similarly, like super, super excited. And I feel like the first episode for me felt like just like a real, like setting the tone episode. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, okay, but I like, I want to know more. I was, I mean, again, spoiler alert, spoiler alerts, everybody. I feel like you called it a couple episodes ago and, you know, seeing that Keely and Roy broke up was making or me are on a break <laughs> or on a break. Yeah. Wait, are I they mean- broken up? Are they on a break? Is that what they, is that was what was happening? The decision? Yeah. Depending on who, which one of them you ask. Roy said we're breaking up and Keely said taking a break. Okay, okay, okay. Oof. Yeah. I've just been there before. Yeah. <laughs> I've been How there before you... in the are we taking a break or breaking up situation myself that just brought back a memory. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean hot take here. I don't believe in taking a break. Like I don't believe that it's like, especially in a case like this, I'm like, either you're broken up and if you want to leave the door open to get back together at some point, fine. But I feel like the, like, unless there is a very specific, like amount of time and a purpose for breaks, don't love them. Controversial take. I just think there's so much ambiguity. I think there's a lot of ambiguity. Yes. I just feel like it's so easy for like, um, again, unless there are like very delineated expectations and boundaries, I feel like it's like just, a, I don't know, it's like one of the stops on the way to like a bad breakup because. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Again, like I think that there, I can probably 
think of examples when, okay, it was like a very specific thing and like there's a purpose behind it. But mm-hmm. in this case, it, did, it clearly they had not had that conversation. So I'm like, no, I don't like it. Just right. break up. Just break up then. Just break up and live on your own and be independent. Don't have this like limbo. Mm. How do you feel about, okay, this may take us down a rabbit hole that we don't feel like going down, but how do you feel about like separations and marriages then? Because I feel like that's like sometimes where people are like, we need to take a break and yeah. Do you have the same feeling about that? Or is it specifically for like people who are dating? I think more so for people who are dating and I acknowledge, like, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of people who have are dating, like for not hugely long pieces of time, right? Like a marriage insinuates the same thing that any like really long-term relationship would insinuate for me where it's like, okay, if you're going to take a separation, I understand the concept and how that can be helpful if mm-hmm. like you do need time to figure some shit out i think mm-hmm. when people are married i mean if you file for a separation there are some discussions that happen around like what are the boundaries and like what's the intention i mean if you're doing it right right is mm-hmm. like what's mm-hmm. the intention of why we are doing this what led to this and mm-hmm. how are we going to evaluate and how and when will we evaluate like is this a permanent separation or are we working toward coming back together? I think that that, I think that what I struggle with when it's people dating, especially when it hasn't been that long, one, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if you've only been dating a year and you need to take a break, like, you know, maybe, maybe you need to just break up for a while. And then the yeah. other side of it is, I think like, in dating relationships, people are much less likely to have like really clear boundaries around it and expectations. And I think that's where I get like the most anxiety for people. I'm like, oh, there's just so many things that can go awry. I don't know. I just think like one person goes on other dates and another person, the other person's like, but I thought this was to time to work on yourself. And then the other person is like, well, I am working on myself by exploring things with different people. And then like, you know, <laughs> it just gets messy. It, it's I high. do know. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I think generally I agree with you about like, if it's a separation in a marriage and the, the, I, I, I haven't been there, so I'm not going to judge. I think that that I've heard a lot of people where a separation in a marriage has actually been helpful for them. And in, in one way or another, whether it's working towards coming, coming back together or, um, or deciding to, to, to choose divorce, um, which I think is, yeah, I think your point about like, just, just break up (laughs) if you're dating and, and, and maybe break up with a clear expectation that maybe you're going to check in, in three months and see how you're both feeling. If that's, if, if the intention is a break, um, and some, you know, self-reflection or whatever it is that the other person needs. But I, I definitely agree and have experienced, um, when I was much younger, making the decision to take a break, setting some boundaries around that, having the boundaries broken and then having to repair in a way that was just like, why didn't we just break up? Like, I definitely have experienced the like good intention. Let's take a pause and do our own thing. And then having people in that situation have hurt feelings because people had different intentions with that time. I'm just speaking and I don't really feel like talking about the whole thing, <laughs> but it sucked. Yeah. Well, I think that that's what, ha- like, I just think that it can get 
so messy. And I also think like, if I'm thinking about it in terms of, okay, let's just say for the purpose of, well, actually let's use this example of Roy and Keeley, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We're not going to dissect the whole episode, I promise. But like, in this case, they're busy. They are like both kind of looking at what their new identity in terms of their careers are and like what they're going to be doing. And it seems like especially um Keely wants to be or both of them need to focus on those things a little bit more right dedicate more of their time Mm -hmm. and energy to their professional life and identity changes great Mm -hmm. when you say that I'm we should take a break during that you're still like holding on it's like if you, the relationship was like this solid rope. When you take a break, you still have like a piece of that rope. It's just a, like a tinier piece that's tying you together. And I think then, then it's defeating the purpose of what the point of the break was. If it's like to figure your shit out on your own, you're still tethered to that other person in a way that like mm-hmm. I think for the most part can prevent you from actually doing the things that you need to do. And I think that's why oftentimes it's not very successful and ends up like causing more problems um than it helps I think that that that's my issue it's like either just break up and like be independent on your own not considering the other person I mean any more than you consider any person because you're a nice human in the world yeah yeah but yeah that is my feeling on it controversial you concerned that it's a that it's not it's not voting well that they have different things that they have said about it I mean, it shows, I think it showed two things. One, that it was not mutual in like the, what they wanted to do. And two, Mm -hmm. that they clearly haven't had much communication about what this is and what they want. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just was like, oh, that's sad. I hadn't, Mm -hmm. I, maybe it's just been, I didn't like, I didn't watch it with the intent of like, you know, thinking about all the things that they said. So I didn't notice or I don't remember the difference in what they said. Um, But I just more was like, oh, I mean, I feel like we kind of knew that might happen. I feel like it's probably the I hope they give I hope they give us what they want and they'll figure it out eventually. But I don't know. I was rewatching, you know, one of the episodes that we're going to talk about. And I'm like, oh, boy, is Jamie Tart going to come back in the picture? Like how what's going to happen next? I don't know. I know. I don't like that um, at all. I also think, I mean, I still have like a decent amount of hope or like confidence that they probably will be end game that Roy will end up. Yeah. I think that, I mean, we've seen this through this whole show. And I mean, especially listeners, if you've watched all the way through season two, you know, we only have a couple episodes left that I think the reoccurring theme with Roy and Keely is that while they clearly care very much for one another and have a lot of love, they also are both new to this type of relationship and seem to be struggling to navigate a real relationship with like a lot of stakes. And I think maybe that is something they need to work on. Like I, I actually was like, okay, well then be broken up. I would rather see you two be broken up right now and figuring your shit out than like one of them. What I don't want to see is one of them like 
hooking up with someone else because I don't want to see Keely kissing Jamie because they're on a break, but then Roy is a fan, you know, like, I don't want that. I, know. I don't want to I know. I hope life that doesn't that happen. They know we don't want that. I hope yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah. 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 Well, any other thoughts about the episode that were like things you wanted to, to name? I just, I agree. It's just like nice to see everybody again. Yeah, I felt like it was like, oh, my old friends, they're back. Yeah. And Nate's Nate's going on some, Nate's going to have an experience. Good luck, yes. Nate. Good luck, Nate. I'm interested in what happens with Nate. I will say we were watching, Dustin and I were watching this episode together. And when they were showing um, the new, where, where Nate works, West Ham United, I think yeah. is the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rupert's office. Now I am not like a giant Star Wars fan at all. I I have seen them probably once. And like, I don't have any hatred to Star Wars, just for the record. I know people are very, have strong, no, I'm just like not a rabid fan. Yeah. Or, yeah. When they showed Rupert's office, I was like, this is totally Star Wars. This is like Death Star, right? This is the Death Star. And I don't know. I don't know if it was Star Wars. It was definitely evil, evil character. No, it's like totally modeled off of the evil guy in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, (laughs) I mean, after, during it, I'm like, this totally looks like Star Wars. And again, I am, don't, I barely watched Star Wars. But I was like, it it totally is. And it, 100%. There are comparisons. Is it? Yes. (laughs) Okay, I'll go look it up. I'm sure the interwebs will satisfy my curiosity. Yeah, I did a quick Google and there was a lot. Okay. (laughs) I am not the first person who thought of that. Yeah, who observed that. I definitely noticed it was like, oh, well, this just looks like every bad guy's space ever. But I can can appreciate a Star Wars reference. That's fun. Good job. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what happens next. Are you loving anything else this week or is that, was that your main love for you? I have many things I'm loving, but since we talked about that for a long time, I will not get into depth with them today. Um, but I actually had two other things I was going to talk about, but instead, because I saw this literally like 10 minutes before we started recording. So Mm -hmm. Ted Lasso is at the white house today as of recording. (laughs) Go on. Yep. (laughs) So I'm just going to take everyone on this journey with me. On Instagram last night, I saw that I follow, apparently I follow the POTUS, the president, like Mm -hmm, Instagram. mm -hmm. Um, And Joe Biden had posted a photo of the Oval Office. And then there was like the Ted Lasso believe sign over the door. I mean, and I was like, what is happening? And it just said tomorrow. And I was like, what's happening tomorrow, Joe? Is Ted Lasso going to be president? Uh, but, and then I just now watched a little clip from C-SPAN where the cast of Shed Lasso, like Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, Brendan Hunt, I think Brett Goldstein, I couldn't see everyone in it, but they were all yeah. at the White House talking about with the president and doing some stuff around mental health. Um, wow. Neat. In the, yeah. In the White House press briefing room about it. And, and it was really sweet. And it, basically the message was like, Hey, like what is really important to us and the message of the show and the message in life is to check in on people and care for one another. Um, and I thought that that was like very sweet and like they're really passionate about that message. 
So all about mental health. And, and it made me very happy. I was loving that. I am loving That's that. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, I'll have to go look at that too on social media. What about you? What are you loving cool. this week? Well, I'm definitely loving. I'll also keep this short, but I I did have I did want to share um I, something that I've been loving recently that I'm curious if you have tried at all. Um, I am really loving EFT tapping. Um, or tapping, I guess is the other way it's what it's called. It's EFT is emotional freedom technique, and it's this tapping on your energy meridians and thinking about uh, speaking aloud, either things you're trying to move through in terms of stress or anxiety, or I, I, this is a non-technical explanation, just so everyone knows. Um, <laughs> this is my amateur, um, or like, you know, thinking about things that you are wishing for wanting to sort of reprogram in your mind and using it in that way too. Have you used it at all? Have you ever tried it? I haven't. I had some students who have used it and like, yeah. So I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't tried it before, there's like a tapping series. You start like tapping on your wrist points and then you move. You can, anybody could look it up or maybe we'll attach a link. You like tap on your head, top of your head, and then your eyebrow points. There's very specific points that you tap on and you can find a lot of like YouTube videos with different like tapping for whatever it is that you're working through. Um, I have some friends who, who teach tapping. So I talk with them a lot about it, but then also, um, um, I, at different points in my life, when I've been struggling with something or, you know, working with clients who are struggling, I've looked up different tapping routines. Um, so years ago, I was really like looking up tapping for stress and anxiety. And I found it super useful for that. Like if you're dealing with stress or anxiety, um, and then more recently, I've been using it a lot for things that I'm trying to sort of shift my perspective on in my life in positive ways. So less of the, I mean, sometimes I'm still working through stress or anxiety, but also like like re re sort of re I don't know if it's actually reprogramming but thinking about ways that I want to um think in my life or view things in my life and using tapping as a as a modality essentially to um yeah to to pr- I, it sounds weird to say program them in I don't know that that's the word I want to use but you're re you're you're saying a lot of things to yourself while you're tapping on these different points and I just find it so soothing first of all when I need to be soothed and also really powerful for you know just taking five or ten minutes to think through something that I'm trying to work through and and I'm usually following some sort of tapping guide online but it's really cool if you ever are like feeling like you just need some sort of something new to do for yourself, I would look up tapping for, and then whatever challenge it is, <laughs> tapping for conflict, tapping for more energy, tapping for, you know, prosperity in your life, whatever the things are, there's a lot of really cool ways to practice it. And it only takes like, I mean, I think you can do it for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes um, with a practitioner, but you can also just do like a five minute video. And anyways, I was doing one today and I was like, I just love this. This is such a cool, it's a somatic practice, right? Because because you're also tapping, you're, you're involving your body in the process. And I like that a lot about it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like very meditative as well. It is. Yeah, yeah. I think I find it so. And I mean, the, the when I've worked with people who are practice, who are practitioners, basically you tap to where you aren't freaking out about the thing anymore. So like you tap through this, through this process over and over again, these different points on your body until 
it's not activating you in the same way it was. So if you're like really feeling stressed, once you do this, likely you'll feel less stressed or you can just keep doing it until you get to a point where your stress is lowered or your anxiety is lowered or whatever it is. And that I find very useful. Yeah. I had a student who used it when she was feeling a lot of anxiety about some, something had triggered her. Um, and I think I also had somebody who used it in to prepare for public speaking. You know, people feel a lot of anxiety yeah. around that. Um, and it, I, yeah, I imagine like there's so many tools like that, that we have at our disposal. It's cool that you can access it on YouTube now too. Totally. Yeah. It's just like, look up tapping for whatever it is. If anybody's listening and you're like, I want to think about this, you can look up tapping for this. And again, some people might think it's kind of woo, but you know, I like things like that. And it is a little woo for me. I'm going to just say a little woo for me. I think I would do a Pilates, like 20 minutes of Pilates or yoga instead personally, Mm -hmm. but I think it's like fulfilling the same like we all get that thing from somewhere else, right? Like, or not from somewhere else, from somewhere, like something that helps mm-hmm. us tune back in with our body, helps us to like lower our stress response. You know, it. it I feel like everyone's, yeah. I'm not trying to yuck a yum, just no, I noting that. that I'm like, mm, I, I feel don't like- think it was for me. <laughs> I feel like the part of you that's like, maybe I'll go to a float tank would like, maybe be like, maybe I'll try an EFT tapping routine sometime. Catch um, me on the right day. <laughs> exactly. I feel like there's a part of you that might enjoy it. You might be like, this is weird, but I'll try it. Um, especially, you know, years ago, I was in a relationship with somebody who was really like in, was really processing their PTSD and um, it had been like a it was very stressful for both of us in the relationship. And so I was looking for all sorts of resources to support him and support myself at that time. And tapping was really helpful for me then. So like, it has been like this thing that I have returned to at different times when I maybe I'm having a hard time with something, but now I've been also finding ways to incorporate it in terms of things that I'm like wanting to believe in my life or move towards in my life. And I'm also finding it really useful there. So in case anybody's looking for something new to try, look up tapping, see if you vibe with it. (laughs) All right. Well, we better get into Ted Lasso. Listeners, we are on Ted Lasso season two, episode eight. The title of this episode is Man City. A quick recap the team is preparing for a major match against their foes, Manchester City. Roy is beginning to see himself as a role model and father figure. Jamie's coming to terms with all that his dad is and his dad is not. Dr. Sharon realizes her vulnerability is required to help support Ted, and Ted finally identifies the root of his issues. And in slightly more uplifting components, Sam and Rebecca finally meet and take a bit of a leap. The really the running theme throughout this episode, and I would say probably also through this whole show, is that vulnerability is brave. We see that it referenced a lot in other episodes, but specifically in this particular episode, there's a lot of vulnerability being the result of bravery and really paying off for the majority of people when they are vulnerable. 
topics. Who do you want to talk about first? I like the Dr. Sharon and Ted. Wow. We really get to know more about Dr. Sharon in this episode, right? Like we really get to start to get to know her a little bit, which I appreciate. Dr. Sharon has a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) That even experts need experts, which we talked about in a previous check-in a couple weeks ago, the need for us to get support from outsiders. And sometimes that means paying outsiders for their expertise and how valuable that can be. And like, we see that like a hundred percent in action with Dr. Sharon uh, talking to her therapist on the phone that morning. We also see that like Ted has gotten to her a little bit, which is sort of interesting, right? To see like these in previous episodes, I think even it was just last episode, we were talking about how she's like, doing so great at being so present and calm with him as he's like, you know, flitting around the room trying to get settled and get to what he wants to say. And I love that we learn that she's like, oh gosh, I'm struggling with him, you know, and we get to see that in some different ways. That feels very real. That feels very real. And I think it it starts to let us into her world a little bit more already just in her in her therapist or coach, whoever this person is saying like, hey, you may need to be a little bit vulnerable in this situation to be able to allow him to let down his guard a little bit. And, and is it, we see that in a way that is, you know, already introducing this theme of being vulnerable is brave. And then of course she gets in a bike accident, which I'm sure was not her plan for that morning, but we see her in a situation where she is actually quite vulnerable. Right. And just due to circumstance, Ted ends up being the person who is called upon. I think that it's interesting watching how he got the, he seemingly got the call and just went right. Like this is so quintessential. Ted is, even though I think he still has some like I want to say like uh, animosity toward Dr. Sharon. Like I know that they seem to have worked things out a little bit after the last episode, but I don't know that things were in the most perfect spot. He's still skeptical of therapy and to, you know, drop everything and show up also feels very true to Ted Um, and making all of his jokes that he hides behind as Dr. Sharon pointed out early on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would call it, I mean, from my perspective, I don't know if it's an animosity, but he certainly has reservations about how he, from my perspective, about how he feels Mm -hmm. about her um, and what he thinks about therapy. So like, he doesn't seem fully like all in with this yet. And, and so agreed for him to just interesting to watch him walk her home and watch her in discomfort for not, I mean, I don't obviously don't wish her to be in discomfort, but not only is she uncomfortable because she just has, she has a concussion, but it also seems like she seems pretty uncomfortable with having him in her home at all. She's ready to get him out of there. She's ready to, you know, and, and we, we again get, you know, more revealed about her in as he's walking around her place looking at things so yeah they're I think they're both where it's almost like she's mirroring what his experience was last time and like go away (laughs) in his own in her own way yeah well I mean having somebody in your house is vulnerable especially when you haven't had time to prepare like I think of the things that you do before somebody new especially comes into your house like you clean up the wine bottles yeah who is also your patient right like there is a weird dynamic there she just went through a really traumatic thing like that is very traumatic and she's probably still processing and 
than having someone who you, you know, you're frustrated with and like, isn't maybe your favorite person in the world being there. Like that is hard. That is, you know, it just, it can be, it's a disorienting, it's a disorienting position to be in. Also, we didn't mention this, but I, I have to say this. Do you think that the doctor is Roy's sister? (laughs) Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Probably. That would be cool, right? They're so smart about things like that. I didn't even think of that. I totally. She like, I was looking at her. I thought of the first time I watched this episode, I was looking at her. I'm like, she kind of looked like she could be related to Roy, right? Like they kind of both have a darker complexion and she had thick eyebrows. <laughs> and Honey. Then it cuts almost directly from that scene to Roy and we'll talk about Roy's scene later but to Roy saying oh his her mom works in the ER and I was like oh my god it's gotta be right it's gotta gotta be be. yeah gosh I didn't think about that but now I want to go back and watch it again to look yeah yeah because it does like pause on this person for a minute who also seems to have a sense of humor right like there seemed to be some like confident sense of humor um anyway so so we you know share we kind of leave they leave that interaction with there there is like palpable discomfort in the air and tension and I don't know that we totally have an understanding of what is going on for her in that in that interaction until later when she like kind of I think probably had time to process like I think that this is a great example of how people aren't always ready to talk about the thing right after the thing happens. Like she's now had time to like sit in her space, which is probably a place that feels safe to her and like decompress and is watching mindless reality TV, which there's nothing better when you're trying to process than watching mindless reality TV. And then gets to a place where she is able to be vulnerable to Ted and share like, hey, this was the issue is I'm scared and that's my happy place and I don't need to process this with you. We don't need to unpack it, but I want you to know. And I think like there's when we talk about when we teach communication, one of the big things I teach is that the content meaning, which is the literal meaning in a message, and then that relational meaning which is the underlying message and in this case I think it's a great example of how like she said I just wanted you to know right I wanted to tell you about my fear and that's the literal message the content but the relational level message is like hey like I am trusting you with this information and I am like I am like holding out this olive branch essentially that I'm not going to just put up this wall and say, I am your doctor and you are my patient and you don't get anything from me. She's like willing to give and like acknowledging that. And I also think it's a thank you Mm -hmm. uh, for being there and, and, you know, being supportive of her. So I, I thought that that was like a really nice way to start off this tumble, like this theme of vulnerability being something that is brave. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And she's so in true Sharon fashion. She's so skillful about it, you know, and I think you're, I love your observation that she just needed, she needed some time to settle and then is, is able to be brave and vulnerable in a way that is both what her coach or therapist told her to do, suggested that she might do, but also I really appreciate the point about the, the relational meaning of that. And 
creating i don't you, you probably remember the line i don't quite remember what ted says in that earlier episode about it you know feeling inauthentic and she's creating a bit more of an authentic relationship between them by by letting him in in that way yeah she's showing she cares enough about him to give him a piece of herself which so much of this show especially this season has been about vulnerability i can't remember what rebecca said sassy said that vulnerability is like leaving yourself open to attack mm. i think i think it was something i might be butchering that a little bit but that that was the general idea and so seeing her willing to you know i guess making herself vulnerable to attack is significant for ted Mm-hmm. And significant for her, clearly, since her therapist is like, yeah, you just do it by saying something smart. You know, you just mm-hmm. avoid by saying something smart. And and so, yeah, it's a significant choice for her, presumably, as well. Yeah. Right. And then we kind of see, like, the progression. I, I kind of feel like it's almost like dominoes falling, right? Like, mm-hmm. Sharon has that conversation with her therapist. Then she discloses. And now the next thing is Ted, right? Like she is the domino that had to fall for him then to be able to disclose and be vulnerable to his fellow coaches and Higgins that he had a panic attack. So this is the first time that he has actually told them that he had the panic attack instead of the food poisoning. And I just think it's like this perfect example, right, of dominoes fall and Sharon, even though she doesn't know it yet, has had really that what she did really had significant impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, she modeled for him, I think, also that that vulnerability being being brave, right? Like they're they're all sort of modeling for one another. And then um, there is this beautiful thing that we've talked about so many times on this podcast, where if someone is willing to be vulnerable in in the right moment at the right time, right? Which is also, you know, Ted's trusting himself. I think that it's okay for him to disclose this to these other coaches that he actually had a panic attack that when that is done in a, you know, in a mindful way, you know, sharing those kinds of vulnerable things then creates the space for the other, everybody, in fact, to share something of some some somewhat reciprocal importance. I don't know about Nate's share, but like <laughs> some of their shares that there's somewhat of uh, a, a revelation from each person. Right. Well, I mean, right. That's what we know about disclosure is disclosure is oftentimes reciprocal. Uh, and <laughs> I don't, I actually thought Nate's was pretty significant. I think like I could read into that a lot that he, he sits around and has ideas and then he waits until like the perfect moment and says it and then acts like it just came to him. Like that is, I think for me, valuing authenticity, that feels like, oh, you're, so you're lying to us, right? Like there's something about it that feels a little bit manipulative. And I think that's probably just because I'm like, a little annoyed with Nate in general and he hasn't been behaving super well. So context, right? Like if Nate last year had said that, I would have been like, oh, Nate, you silly goose. But Nate this season, I'm like, Nate, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was something about it. I'm trying to remember, like there was something when I was watching at this time where I was like, 
it was it felt like a humble brag to me like I have all these brilliant ideas and I don't share them but I, then I share them I was like that doesn't seem quite the equivalent to me <laughs> but I see your point in that <laughs> maybe it was for him I was a little like okay like that you could have gone a little deeper there buddy but yeah, I'm also yeah. annoyed. I'm I'm also a bit annoyed with Nate right now. So Right. I mean, I think this is like one of those things, right? Where like now you're like, oh, well, you've I've been watching you be an asshole. So I'm going to look for the ways that you're an asshole. Right. It's that yeah. confirmation bias. Yeah. Good um, call. Good call. Yeah. I also just want to note, I really loved when Beard said that he <laughs> was accidentally on mushrooms and they're kind of like accidentally. And then Roy knew exactly which game it was. I feel like that's like just this little tidbit of insight into like their dynamic. Like, well, actually, it opened the early in this episode. They kind of talk, like had a moment where they were like, "She gets us about Keely, right?" Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they like they have this like interesting rapport that yeah. you just see little glimmers of. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I like how after that, Ted's like, oh, see, so you fancy now you drink a tea. Yeah. <laughs> we know how Ted feels about tea. Exactly. That's funny, too. Yeah. So we see, you know, Ted being willing to reveal something and that creating space for others to be vulnerable as well, um, brave in their own levels of vulnerability. And then we see this game not go well for them, right? Ooh. Which we haven't really talked about much, but it's a really big day at game and they lose by what, 5-0? Is that the final score? I mean, they yeah. solidly lose this game. And I'm not sure when you were watching that, did you feel like, was there anything in that loss that you think affected Ted specifically? I was sort of watching that and thinking about it. I was curious what you thought. Do you think that yeah. has something to do with what happens next for him? Oh, I didn't think it was a loss. I mean, I, I think I don't think that it was specific to this team or this game. Like, you know, they lost and that it was rough. Like it just nothing went their way is the way it seemed. Um, and I do think it's interesting. I just feel like they're the show is totally setting up man city to be like the the team right i'm like they're gonna they have to beat them at some point they have to beat them like they lost to be, get relegated and now they lost to get out of the fa cup like they've got to beat them that's that's the next step it has to happen at some point yeah um, but i don't think it was related to the loss itself i think it was completely related you know ted's reaction that we see at the end is really a product of the dynamic between Jamie and his dad and Roy and Jamie, right? Like that whole scene, I think brought up a lot for Ted. So much of this show is about fathers and sons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, from what we initially knew about Ted's dad, he was a good dad is what he has told us. Um, and then we haven't really heard much else until this point. And I think also seeing how bad Jamie's dad was and how much that affects him. Mm -hmm. And like you see, I mean, we'll, we can, we'll talk about it more with the Jamie Roy kind of storyline, but I was just really struck by watching Jamie who clearly like has so much resentment for his dad, but like still desperately wants his approval. Mm -hmm. And 
just how painful it seemed like it was for him to hit his dad and Ted watching all of that play out and then seeing Roy step in and be like kind of a father figure and, and Roy knowing what to do. And I kind of think in that moment, that was the first time it seemed like Ted didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like he didn't react in the way that I actually thought he would. I thought he was going to hug Jamie. Yeah. 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 It seems like that some combination of things. Like I thought it was interesting. I was sort of curious if he was going to have another panic attack during the game. Like I was curious what was going to happen next, but I agree with you that it seems like that, what what you just described so beautifully is like, was some sort of catalyst for him to decide that he was finally ready to, you know, because pretty much immediately after that, we see him walk out of the stadium and call Sharon Do you think it was anger? I'm just realizing this as we're talking about it. Like that was the first time that comes to mind where we actually see somebody really be angry with their dad. Mm. I think. Um, And, and like really, I mean the rage, right? Jamie had rage and that's the first time we see that. And I can imagine based on like folks I know who have lost people from suicide, I think a lot of times there's some rage that like people have a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of feelings about it, about, you know, death in general. Right. Like, but I do know that there tends to be a lot of grief or a lot of anger, I guess, just around grief in general. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's one of the stages. And so I wonder if that anger that Jamie had for his dad was, like actually the catalyst for Ted to like be like oh right (laughs) that this is something that is significant and likely has impacted me yeah that's a great observation yeah it does seem like it sort of something cracked open in him where he was finally willing to be able to share that and I'm sure it was Mm -hmm. uh uh build you know building in all of the interactions just like you said the dominoes falling or the you know these interactions that are building throughout this episode and beyond but um we see him finally being willing to make that call to Sharon and share with her what really happened which is that it like you just said that his dad committed suicide when he was 16 right yeah did you think did you see this coming at all when you watched it the first time I can't remember. I don't know if I saw, I I assume I didn't see it coming. Cause I don't know if I, I mean, it seemed like clearly something was going on with him. I knew there was going to be a something cause it was pretty obvious that there was something, but I don't know that I would have, um, would have, I'd guessed ahead of time that it was suicide. How about you? I, I did mostly because of the two things that we knew about Ted's dad up until that point. Like we knew that he spent time in the sports bra sports, bra sports bra sports <laughs> bar with him up until he was 60 when he died like I remember that line and I also remember him a couple episodes ago having a conversation with Jamie about how like he was like yeah my dad was never that hard on me but he was real hard on himself and when he said yeah. that I was like "Ooh, that was loaded it to me it sounded loaded just the way that he said that and knowing that his dad died seemingly pretty young Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered if it was from suicide and, and then also it like it made sense for me seeing how Ted kind of copes with the world and how he is so positive and then also how he said he never quits anything like all of those puzzle pieces started to fall into place for me a little bit Um, 
and it makes sense, right? Like I can see how you become somebody like Ted, uh, having an incident like that. And I know we're going to, in the, um, the next ep- well, in, in another episode, kind of unpack that further. Um, but I, the other thing about this, I just wanted to know, I really like how this was a nice mirroring of Dr. Sharon's conversation with Ted, where he just said, like, I just wanted you to know, I just wanted to tell you, mm-hmm. like, we don't need to unpack it right now. We know that that will happen in the future. But like, again, it's that it's that reciprocation of of disclosing, like, it doesn't always happen in the exact moment, but it, it usually does happen. Yeah. Yeah. They're both being brave and vulnerable. Mm hmm. Brene Brown would be so proud. I'm sure she is. She loves this show. It just feels like they wrote it. Like, here you go, Brene Brown. Here's like your work. This is an homage to your work. I think it is. I, they were on her podcast. Yeah, they love yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, uh, love, love. Well, do you have anything else to say about them for now? Not for now. I don't think so. Are you okay with talking about Roy and Jamie? I feel like we started to, and I'd love to talk about them a little more. Yeah, let's dig into their story. Yeah, so we see, what what do we see? I'm like, how does this start? I have to pause for a moment here and think. We see Roy, I mean, we see Roy talking with Phoebe's teacher, right? Is that pretty much the, I guess we maybe get a little, a few little things before that, but that feels like the main starting point to me. Does it to you as well? Right, yeah, Roy, Roy comes in, Phoebe's in trouble for cussing and yeah. kind of, it, it, I think that that this is like the he needed this conversation with that teacher to be like, "Hey, buddy, you are having an impact on her." It's like he almost didn't quite like understand that up until this point. I mean, I think he did, he, but maybe he, he needed just someone else. It. Yeah, maybe he. I mean, when she when the teacher says like, "Where you know is her dad in the picture?" Something's going on in which she is cussing a lot at school, and then I mean. Of course, in like in superb comic timing, as well as just true to Roy's character, he's immediately cussing in response to like mm-hmm. what she says. So, yeah, it does seem like there is it. Maybe it's just illustrated to us. I think I think on some level he knows that, but maybe it's more of an like a fully embodying that identity after this. You know, sometimes speaking of those sort of catalyst moments where you where you really realize what an impact you have in one way or another. I think oftentimes we're just kind of going through life. We're doing the right thing. Like Roy seems to do the right thing when it comes to Phoebe. They have a good relationship. They're sweet with one another, right? And maybe he's shifting now into, oh, I actually have an impact on this child. And it's interesting that he says, I I thought one thing I thought was interesting in this case is that he says, I can't stop swearing. Did you think that was interesting? Um, no, it seemed true to Roy. <laughs> Roy knows himself. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that this is the first time that he's like really seen kind of the fruits of his labor in terms of Phoebe. Like he's actually seen the impact that all the time they spend together is having in a negative way, like the negative thing that she's getting, which we kind of after the conversation he has with Phoebe, we learn that like, it's really, the net is positive. Like she needs to work on the cussing. That's a, I mean, arguably a surface level thing, but he is teaching her how to be good 
and what is right. And that, you know, that is the, th- I think when we, it comes to whether it's parenthood or mentorship or like whatever you want to call it, that's the goal, right? Like, again, you can, a kid can stop cussing. I think Roy can't, but a kid can. <laughs> yeah. It's real cute. So she is, she listens to him. And like you said, she says, well, I was standing up to a bully. Right. And and you've taught me that. And there are good things that he is doing. And then they go into play princess and dragon, which is one of those adorable scenes, right. Where he's playing the princess. We learn. Right. I do think it's an interesting moment of vulnerability that Roy has with Phoebe too, where he said, like, I'm worried that you're getting the work. Sometimes I have the quote written down. He says, sometimes I get concerned that I've been infecting you with the worst parts of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, Phoebe in, is wise beyond her, her years, of course, and said, I'm as good as the best you. And I, you know, I think that that like Roy being vulnerable with her is just like continuing to take on that role of mentorship, right? Like showing her whether he realizes what he's doing or it or not, he is like demonstrating how, like how to be a good person and how to be, do the right thing and sharing his vulnerability and like having a discussion about the way that is she should be acting and the ways that she shouldn't be acting so i think that like i think what this scene does is really set up roy in a headspace of like understanding that he is it's like his second act right his first act was being a footballer and now he's like taking on this role as coach he's like really coming to terms with I guess, I guess being kind of the father figure for Phoebe. And I think that's what leads to his behavior at the end with Jamie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, a great, great connection point there. Yeah. So then we see also with, you know, just in thinking about Roy and Jamie and their intertwined storyline throughout this episode, we see Roy like taking ownership, being vulnerable, taking ownership of his identity as a mentor with Phoebe and beyond, like you're saying. In the meantime, we see Jamie getting texts from his dad. I like that in quote, the dad is in quotation marks on his phone. Did you notice that today? I noticed that when I was watching it. Uh, That's interesting. So uh, he's got texts and calls from his dad coming in and he, we've already throughout, you know, the different seasons gotten the sense that his dad is not great. And he goes on to have to look for tickets for his dad and his dad's friends to the big game with Higgins. And in that interaction with, with Higgins, who is just such a lovely character in so many ways, Jamie's able to, in his own way, be vulnerable in probably the way that Jamie does (laughs) and say, my dad's a dick and he just is always a dick basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think he says for think in any situation you think about what a dick would do and he does that yeah which he i mean totally pays pays off at the end right that's exactly what his dad does mm-hmm. uh yeah i think we, we see jamie really struggling with his relationship with his dad i think like i said before for, for several episodes sparse throughout or the different seasons 
where we know that Jamie has a rough relationship with his dad. We know his dad is a dick. We know that like his dad seemingly is abusive. Yeah, we've seen his dad like yell at him and stuff and like throw things in one of those other episodes, right? Yeah. And we know that like this is, it's complicated, but it just seems like he, he is still despite all of that abuse, looking for recognition and approval from his dad. And I think it's like he knows he's not going to get it and yet like can't stop. And I think, you know, I think that's something we see with people all the time is that those, I don't know, that striving for acknowledgement from the people who just are unwilling or unable to give us that yeah, relationships are complex and especially with our parents, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. and and especially in a situation like that where his dad seems pretty horrible and yet it does seem like on some level he cares about what his maybe care maybe he probably doesn't want to care about what his dad thinks, but you know, it does seem like there's a he's still in relationship with his dad at this point. I mean, he hasn't he's not estranged from him. There is a relationship that is happening there. And um, yeah, I think it just gives us a lot of continued insight into why Jamie has been the bully that he has been in the past. Right. I mean, that that's what he has learned up until this point. And I think like, yeah, he's definitely still in relationship with his dad, right? Like he gets him tickets. He even, I mean, he's the one who says, yeah, my dad can come back to the locker room. Right. He still like so desperately wants that connection. And it just his dad is not going to be the dad that he wants him to be. And I mean, Higgins had really excellent advice for him. He said, I try to appreciate my dad for who he is and forgive him for who he's not. And I think like for the most part, that's great that I think it's excellent advice. But gosh, with somebody like Jamie's dad who by the way they have the same name too Mm. so it further complicates it I feel like you know sometimes sometimes family despite being blood relatives doesn't mean that they're the people that you need to be spending your time and energy with and around then after this really sad loss the we see we see this scene where there are the whole team's in the locker room they're looking all sad which makes sense anyway and then someone comes in and asks if jamie's dad can come into the locker room and then his dad is awful right well you think what would a dick do in that situation and he does that thing yep true to form um the scene it's really powerful though isn't it it's such a powerful scene Mm -hmm. i really paid attention to the nonverbals in this scene did you notice jamie like when his dad first comes in he looks like a kid like the way he's holding his body and just like like a i don't know like a scared little child it's Mm -hmm. so sad just just that alone is devastating to look at right like it's like clearly all he needs from the moment his dad walks in is a hug yeah 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 yeah. And then his dad says all kinds of awful things and everybody's watching this happen. And, and even through all of that, Jamie is like very measured and it's 
like he says i'd rather not i'd rather you not and then he said don't speak to me like that but it's all like quiet and measured and i think part of it is the embarrassment of that happening in front of the entire team yeah but i think it's also like oh my god this again like i don't can't you be anything other than this yeah we've been down that i mean he knows he clearly knows what's going to happen here. He just, maybe we don't know if he's had it happen in front of an audience before or not, but yeah. And then he punches his dad. I I was thinking about his face when that happened. Like I, I've been thinking about it since I watched this episode, because I think it tells a lot, like it's such a complicated series of emotions mm-hmm. that you would feel like that he seems to be feeling like this, like, it's almost like a combo of like relief, but also fear and also this like anger and sadness. <laughs> it's so layered because so layered. it's so complicated. I mean, and his dad has just speaking of nonverbals, like his dad is in his face. Like there is very little space between their two faces before he punches him. I mean, his dad is just on the attack and in his space and in his face. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure that he feels all kinds of things, just like you, I described all these different feelings. Um, but he is on some level standing up for himself in maybe one of the few ways that Jamie knows how right now. I mean, we don't, we're not led to believe that Jamie has a lot of emotional and social to social emotional tools in his kit right now. So he punches. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that that's probably the first time that he's punched back, right? Yeah. Like his dad grabs him hard, like is, is already vi- started the violent yeah. Yeah. component of this interaction, but yeah, it seems like maybe the first time he's actually fought back in that way. Um, which is like it's a turning point for that relationship. I think that that can be the other thing is right. We all have those turning points in our relationships with people. I mean, hopefully for the most part they don't invite involve punching, but we definitely I think especially with our parents sometimes have those interactions that you are like okay well this is forever changed right like we have reached a moment i'm not doing this anymore yeah yeah Yeah. and it it's so it's looking around at the team it's kind of like nobody really knows how to handle it and this is a team of like i would say like pretty emotionally mature and intelligent people and no one seems to, you know, no one's being a dick, but also no one is making eye contact. And even Ted seems unsure. I mean, Beard does the right thing and just kicks his dad out, which I appreciated. Beard knows what to do. Beard knows what to uh, do, yeah. And Roy, like you see Roy come to that realization that like this is this is what he needs to do. He needs to, you know, step in and be the father figure again for somebody and in this case Jamie who has been kind of his enemy up until I mean you know they've been working on their relationship but it's been rocky and knowing that like his role is to step in and provide him with like comfort and security is really you know we again see that Roy is stepping into that role really well and it takes on some level so much vulnerability for both of them in this situation, right? For Roy, mm-hmm. for Roy to choose to do 
the brave thing, which is to go give Jamie a hug, which is seems to be exactly what he needs in that moment to know that and follow his intuition in a way that that makes him vulnerable too, right? Like considering what their relationship has been, mm-hmm. that is a that is also a turning point for them. Yeah. And for Jamie to accept also is so vulnerable as well and brave for both of them mm-hmm. to just have that moment together. Yeah, it's 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 really illustrating that as well. And and as you've pointed out so wonderfully throughout this the, this con- this ongoing conversation, we see really beautiful examples of masculinity and uh, an empowered, uh, a healthy, a skillful masculinity alongside like the most destructive, toxic kind of masculinity. Right? Like we see those things playing out in three minutes or however long that scene is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is Roy is being the best version of a man that he can be and demonstrating that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jamie too, you know, after the punch. Yeah. Well, and maybe in that case, I mean, Jamie needed to stand up somehow. And again, Mm -hmm. we're not like advocating violence, but there's like, he stood up, he stood up for himself in that situation. Mm -hmm. He didn't like me- jump on him and start punching his face, right? He was like right. trying to get his dad away, it seems like. Yeah. It makes me think there is, I can't remember the name of the movie. Now, it was about uh, women's suffrage in England in the you know early 1900s, basically. And it was a bunch of the, the women who were, they were doing things like throwing bricks through buildings. They were, you know, they were mm-hmm. using violence. Mm-hmm. And there's a monologue that one of the actresses has in it. That basically she says, we use violence because that's the only language that men listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think uh, that I thought of that when I was watching this. I was just thinking like, yeah, like what a what an interesting, as somebody who <laughs> does not like violence, I, I often think of that line when I see instances like this scene where you're like, yeah, it it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. And yeah, that's a whole other, that, yeah. that conversation could lead us down like a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> I think it's really, yeah, that's a powerful quote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're both being vulnerable and we see that in this episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about, about the two of them? I just want to emphasize how significant it is that like Roy is the one who steps in. And I think it had to be Roy. Like for a long time, I would watch this and be like, I mean, I love the scene. I mm-hmm. It makes me cry every time I watch it. Yes. But I always would think like, it's so weird that it wasn't Ted. It seems like it would be Ted. Like, mm-hmm. but I think Roy is significant to Jamie. We know that like Jamie had Roy's poster on the wall on his wall growing up like there is there's this extra layer of like uh you know Jamie already looked up to Roy and they've had a complicated dynamic but there is that layer that is present with Roy that wasn't there with Ted in the same way like I think Jamie respects Ted but I don't think that it's quite as deep Mm -hmm. as the respect he has for Roy and so I think that that made that was why it had to be Roy in this interaction. I mean, and also who doesn't want a hug for Roy Kent? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think also it's like when we talk, I, I, I love those points and we see Roy owning his role even further. And we also see this, like 
this is another example of shared leadership in the sense that like, as far as we know, Ted must be going through something in that moment since shortly thereafter he, or almost immediately thereafter he goes out to call Dr. Sharon. Right. So like, though we don't see all of that happening, it's also great to see where, you know, for whatever reason, Ted didn't feel like he was, you know, he didn't have that action in his mind, but Roy did and Roy did. And I agree. It it also had to be Roy for all those other reasons, but also maybe Ted wasn't able to in that moment. And that's a really neat way to see like Roy stepping in again. Just, Mm -hmm. it's cool to see that. And Beard stepping in, you know, the only person, (laughs) Beard stepping in in the way, like Beard knew his role in that situation. Get this guy out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Beard always knows his role. I feel like Beard is very secure in his role in any situation. (laughs) Sure seems to be. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so we talk about Rebecca and Sam. Yeah. Let's talk about the slightly lighter dynamic also did you ever did you ever watch cheers i know no, talked about those. not really sam and rebecca that was like the, it was the kitten who, oh. the characters who had an on again off again so it, it just it's like a nice wink to cheers that's fun that's fun yeah cool uh so we see Sam starting off. No, there's two things that I think are significant. Number one, he's reading A Wrinkle in Time. Mm, I don't know. What does that not, mean? That was not the book that he was given from Todd. He got Ender's Game. Wrinkle in Time is what Roy read last season. Interesting. And I was like, okay, Sam, thinking about it. So we know it's about leadership, right? Like that's what A Wrinkle in Time is based on what Trent Graham told us. <laughs> that's interesting we see sam reading a wrinkle in time and um and we also really quickly learned that what he did in terms of speaking out about the oil company had real impact they are now leaving nigeria like he i think like that's the first example of sam's vulnerability paying off for him right like what he did speaking out was a really vulnerable thing and he did it and it paid off significantly for him i mean for more than just him yeah yeah that's such that's so inspiring it's so inspiring that that happens at the beginning and then uh, i i love the whole bit where he asks for a haircut and isaac giving him the haircut i mean what a fun just like in terms of fun scenes what a fun scene what a fun what a fun way for the team to all come together in terms of a thing that they do together and as a part I guess right before that he decides that he's gonna text boss girl is that her name boss girl and banter um to see if she wants to meet up well I, I feel like he totally uses that like okay I was like direct and vulnerable and it paid off with the oil like look at this I'm gonna use the same like okay I'm gonna take charge I'm gonna be assertive about this which is vulnerable right like you put yourself up for being rejected and is super assertive with Rebecca which that that was totally a theme with him through the rest this whole episode as I was like look at Sam being assertive and like he knows what he wants yeah and it's so clear that and confident. He's so confident about it. So I think that this was like a real boost for him. Um, and the the scene with the haircut, I mean, it's fun, right? It's like such a funny, cute 
thing, but I also, if I'm stepping back from it, so much of this show is about like examining masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I think that scene is so beautiful in it's fun, but it's also, if we're looking at like what it is, is a man getting ready for a date and doing some grooming before that date, right? Like, which we have seen in so many movies and TV shows with women doing that. Mm. And they, I think it was smart how it was done in a way that I think seems true. I mean, obviously it's like heightened, but you know, it's, it's masculine. It's not, he's not, he didn't go to a hair salon, right? Yeah. But and they're rejoicing in it. Nobody's making fun of him. Nobody's making fun of him for the date. Nobody, I don't know. It just is such a beautiful representation of, you know, the masculine version of something we see a lot in feminine spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that point. And this sort of, again, the the healthy masculine, the, the way that people can come together in those ways. And also I love that point about him getting ready for the date in that way. So good observation. And we then finally get to see, they finally get to meet oh gosh, it's so uncomfortable for Rebecca. Like I understand. I, mean, I think Sam's like, okay, yes. Yes. I'm into this. She's he didn't even seem that surprised. He was like, oh, <laughs> and, then that, and then he was like, okay, I can roll with this. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's really he's ready. Thought, like he's thought about this before. I feel <laughs> like. maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Because he seems like, like you observed earlier, very confident, very grounded and, and understandably, I mean, I think the whole boss thing is an additional complication to this, right? Like I, Rebecca might've still reacted that way, but it is like, there are some ethical concerns that I understand why she might be super flustered by this to begin with. Right. I mean, I think the age thing is the other very significant sure. component. Yeah. Do we know how old she is? Has it, has, has there yeah. ever been? A- I think she's 46. I think we know okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So she's half her age. She's less than half her age. Yeah. That's a big age gap, but they seem to have, you know, they have a connection. Yeah. I mean, she wants to leave and he's like, Hey, we're both hungry, right? Like we're both hungry. We might as well eat. And so they stay and have a meal and we see them appearing to have a really, really nice time together and have the rapport that they had in uh, via, you know, on text seems to have, and that we've seen a little bit between them before, but her not really let, let him in either of them. I mean, there just hasn't been the, the opportunity as far as we know that they both are brave and vulnerable and even having a meal together and just like going for it anyway, since they've had this like fun conversation that where they were clearly both so excited about. It is, it's interesting watching this whole dynamic play out because watching, I was like, oh my God, if anyone needs to know what the most, like a good first date looks like, just like watch this scene. Yeah. Right. You don't hear anything that they're talking about, but everything about it shows exactly what a, and a, again they've been talking so it's not like it's the first time they've interacted and right? they they've know each talk- other and they know each other on some level right yeah. they're so not they, totally new to one another yeah but like that they don't as jamie said earlier they don't just have textual chemistry <laughs> they like the the way that they're relaxed and they're laughing and they are making eye contact like 
everything listeners if you're like what does a good first date look like like look at the way that they're sitting and acting. like that that's, yes that's what call. it looks like yeah <laughs> I mean or any good date it doesn't have to be a first date but yeah yeah in this case it was um yeah and Sam is just like I mean starting with this actually starting with being direct about being like hey this restaurant at this time through this whole episode he is so like I want this. Like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to ask. And he is, it just is really, you see him come into his own, right? Up until this point, he's been, there's been some growth with him, but he's like a man now. It's really hot. Yeah. He's also, guys, just remember my dog is named after him. (laughs) Yeah. It's really like that again, sort of like beautiful if we're continuing to talk about masculine sort of masculinity of being able to like be grounded in that moment hold the space like hold structure and be like oh let's stay and have this meal anyway and then walks her home and we see this you know place where she decides she just decides to kiss him and then you know screams and feels like she seems like even more vulnerable but it looks like they're having a nice time yeah I think this is also a good example. If there are any men that listen to this, observing how Sam acted is the correct amount of assertiveness. Mm, Yes. Right? Yes. Like the way that he navigated that, like when he takes her to her door, he kind of steps in. He -hmm. doesn't just kiss her, Mm -hmm. but he, he takes a step. And then she, I think she kind of like, takes a little bit of a step back or she was like, no, 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 we can't. And, and he doesn't push it, but he's there, right? He doesn't doesn't like, he doesn't like fly off the handle. He doesn't run away. He -hmm. just like maintains eye contact. And I think like, that is a good example of like good assertive masculinity that is like walking that line between not being like, he's not in her face. Mm -mm. He's not, or, and he's not getting mad about the rejection he's I don't know it's he's just placing himself in the right place he's respecting her basically exactly he's being respectful and yeah exactly we get the impression as a viewer that if she were to just say okay bye and go inside Mm -hmm. that he would continue to smile and then walk off that he wasn't he didn't need anything from her in that moment but he was staying present yeah that's a great point yeah Well, and it was such a beautiful scene after they kiss and she runs inside, you know, she's standing against that door thinking, reflecting, and you can see him through the window just a little bit. And he stands there for a moment too, right? And reflects and it's, oh, my heart. They clearly have a connection. They clearly have a connection and it's so beautiful. I I first I thought that this was it. I was like, oh, that's it. We built all of this up for them to have one kiss and then it be over. I'm so glad that that is not the case because I needed <laughs> these two to to spend a little more time together. Me too. Me too. So they both agree. Like, there's a big game this weekend. Whatever, we're gonna go our separate ways, and they do. And then we see we see her at home pouring a glass of wine and listening to him and what he says in his interview. Did you write it down? I did. Yeah. Um, so he said we lost. He had a little bit before this, but the meat of it was we lost very badly, but we tried. 
we gave it everything we had. For me, that is okay. What's worse is to never try at all. To try is scary because you end up losing a lot. You have you to put your, you yeah, could, you could you, end up losing. Oh, yeah, because you can end up losing a lot. You have, you have to put your heart out there. Otherwise, what's the point? Which, like, if he's not talking directly to Rebecca in that. <laughs> I feel like we should all just write those lines down just for anything that we try in life though, too. Right. It's like such, but there's Sam with the wisdom again. So Sam's so wise being able to articulate that thing that maybe all of us feel sometimes when we aren't sure what's going to happen next or Mm -hmm. things didn't go as we hoped they would, but we hopefully put our heart out there anyway. And she hears it. She hears it. Mm-hmm. Which, and this has been Rebecca's journey too, is this vulnerability, right? I mean, this is very reflective of that speech she kind of gave to what's this face wing stop. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, right. She said, you know, it's about like putting yourself out there to be hurt or she, she kind of makes a little speech that is similar in content mm-hmm. to what Sam says here. And This has been like, this has been her journey is to be more vulnerable and open herself up for the great potential. And with that comes like the potential for great pain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she finally is like, okay, this is something that could be real. I think that's the difference with him, right? Is the guys that she's been hooking up with. It's not, there's no weight in it. There's no, there's no vulnerability in dating those men. And with him there are stakes because he is a delight and there's a connection get to be very happy that they do that they're both willing to be vulnerable and brave Mm -hmm. it paid off it paid off for everyone in this episode being vulnerable thanks so much for listening to the ps let's talk love podcast we want to send out a special thank you to medium build for our show music And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You You can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.